0: See so, you know, over this week I have been you know thinking along the lines of Joseph and how his great grandfather his grandfather and how his father influenced them and 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 how did Joseph turn out you, you know different to them and so I just want to share a few brief thoughts today you know just around that there and you know Joseph's great grandfather was um Abraham and you know he's you know he's been uh Uh, Referred to as the father of faith, you you know, and um, yet he wasn't a perfect man. You know, uh, he didn't have. uh, He married Sarah. They didn't have children. He had a promise from God saying that, you know, I'm going to bless you. You're going to become a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. But for years, you know, he really struggled with that. And and sometimes, you know, we can try and do things on his own strength and. They couldn't have kids, so what did Sarah say? Well, look, why don't you uh, take my maidservant Hagar, and they had Ishmael, and that there has affected you know the planet for that decision. You know, he's as men. You know, sometimes, and we heard it said, you know, we're not perfect. You know, we don't come out with this perfect uh, uh, book that we could read, and we'd be great dads. And so, you know, Abraham, while he was known as the father of faith, you know, he still wasn't perfect. Joseph's grandfather, Isaac, you know, um, saw his grandfather go through some, uh, you know, challenging moments. He was part of that incredible event where um, Abraham was trusting God, and Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, and God stepped in, and so he's a part of that. Hey, again, he had um, uh Married a a, a girl and uh, Rebecca, and she couldn't have kids, and they were trusting God and all that sort of thing. And along come Jacob and Esau, and um, even in the womb, these two kids. If you read through the accounts in Genesis twenty-five, you know Jacob and Esau did not get on, and the sibling rivalry was there. And uh, you know, there's one thing that me and I did early on with uh, with Daniel and Mandy, and they've kind of turned out okay. And um, they, uh, we said, you know, sibling rivalry and that sort of thing. It just comes in. It's just kind of part of the mix. And we said, you, uh, I can remember saying to the kids, "You only have one sister and you only have one brother, so you look after them." And then the mum would come into the mix, and mum says, "If I discipline one, I discipline two of you." And it's almost like, oh, the fear of God came on them. It's like the cloud of glory came down. Not really, but the threat from the Asian wife certainly played a part. Can we just wipe that off the tape? That would be very cool. But, you you know, the sibling rivalry, see, with the mum and dad, they should have sorted it out. You know, in verse 28, it says that Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. And there was conflict there between the two of them. You know, we, there's no favorites, you know, amongst our kids. Let's love them equally. They've all got different gifts. But that there had an incredible effect on Isaac's life. Oh, sorry, on, on Jacob's life. Because, you know, he would run off to mummy. You know, there's one word of advice I give you, that as husband and wife, you're together on discipline and guidance of your kids because kids are masters at playing you off against each other. And so there would be times that me and I there would be a, a decision to be made. The kids are asking for something and we'd go off into the bedroom and we'd have we'd talk it through and without the kids knowing. And we may have a difference of opinion but the kids would not know about it. And once the decision was made either way, we would come back and that was the decision and mum and dad were together with it. And so, you know, you can just see kids. So what I encourage you, you know, as parents and as people becoming future parents, be together with your guidance and your discipline over your kid's life. Don't let them twist you around. Because they are masters at it. Just, It's just something in their DNA. Can any, anyone here done that to their parents? All right, let's bow our heads and pray right now. There's a, there's a thousand hands up across this auditorium. Not really. But, you you know, it was a divided couple and that had a huge impact, you you know, on on the kids. So then here's Jacob. So he can see this Jacob and Esau, they were twisting and fighting and that sort of thing. He's got mum on his side. And so he's a bit of a Jacob, um, Joseph's father, Jacob. He was a bit of a trickster. Okay. He was a genuine man for spiritual things, but too often he resorted to his carnal nature, and he was always at odds with his brother, so even in the womb they would fight. You can read that account. But uh, he tricked uh, Esau out of his birthright. Um, later on in his life, he tricked his father to bless him. See, when, in those days when the father was to die, he would lay his hands on his kids and he would bless them. And the oldest son would get a double portion. So um, and Jacob thought, I know what I'll do. And he went in and he tricked his father to think that he was Esau and got a double portion and tricked his brother out of it. So, you, you know, while you, um, you know, the influence of his, you know, his father is having an impact on him. The influence of the parenting was having an impact on Jacob's life. And so he would go off and he went and worked for this guy Laban. And God thought, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson because Laban was a bigger trickster than her than, um, than him. And uh, he says, look, I'm going to work for seven years for you and I'll marry Rachel. So after seven years, Laban tricked them. And on the wedding night, they go off into the tent. He wakes up the next morning and, ah, he's got Leah. And so Laban tricked them. And so he worked another seven years. How many here have worked 14 years for their wives? It may feel that. <laughs> nah, joking. But can you imagine that? You, you know, so here, he's a trickster now. He's being tricked. And, and you know, there, there's a point in time we've got to just trust God with what's happening in our lives. So then Jacob, to confuse it, now he's got two wives. And then they have issues with having kids at various times and that sort of thing. So the wives say, take my maid, Sir and now there's four women. Man, that guy's got to be a genius. Clearly, there was no Sky Sport TV in those days. All right? gallery, stop laughing. So, you know, and, and all this challenge uh, around, you know, kids and things like that and wives and arguing and that sort of thing, you, you know. Um, he really changed when he had an encounter with God. And that's in Genesis 32. And he never walked the same again. There's a point in our life, men, where we've got to uh, say no to self and say, God, you've got to take over my life and you've got to work within me so I lay down my life. One of the guys mentioned about, you know, serving the family and maybe not so much him, but, you know, helping out the family. And so, you know, you think of these great-grandfather, the grandfather and the father has had an influence on Joseph's life. So why was Joseph different? You know, we've heard the, you hear the saying, like father, like son, or the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So what about the influence of fathers upon our lives? You know, when I was in in my teenage years, I did not understand my father. And so um, I, I really struggled with that. And so it wasn't until my mid-30s did I really understand why my dad was the way he was. And when I understood why my dad was that way, it, make, it just put a whole different perspective on his life. And when dad passed away two and a half years ago, his brother stood up and confirmed what I thought. You see, my grandfather went off to the war. My dad was about seven. He went off to the Second World War, was a prisoner of war, uh, for about four years so my dad's at home thinking maybe my father's not going to come home that impacts a seven year old boy's life dads are important to seven year old boys and so f- at the end of the war he, he was released and came home and he, they shipped into Wellington and they trained back up to Auckland he came home said hi to the family the next day he got up and he went to the city to the pub and drunk with his mates. Because that's all he'd known for four years with his mates. That kept them alive. I understand it doesn't make it right, but I understand it. And that just happened for years. That his mates were then the most important thing because they kept them alive. And that had a huge impact on my dad. And his younger brother said that my uh, dad was more of a father to him than their own father. And so when you see that my dad maybe didn't really have a dad, in the sense of just getting around him and that sort of thing, it made me understand why my father was the way he was. And that can influence and that's on the, you know, the challenging side. But when I understood it, I tell you what, I accepted my dad so much more. And so if we look across, you know, the church today, some of our dads, you know, hear Gerard talking about how positive his dad was and the influence. So, you know, not everyone has that. But the challenge for us today is, is we can make a choice that it doesn't influence our future in this, if there's a negative um, impact of your dad. You know, we can understand that our dads were their dads. You know, sometimes they they did the best they could with what they knew. I don't think they had parenting courses back in the 1940s, 1950s. So they stumbled along. We don't, we're not born with a manual that comes out and says, this is the manual how to raise this child. Did you guys get one? No manual, did it? No, you just kinda learn. You know, my grandson's eight months old and my daughter is so keen for him to be one because she says, I've kept them alive for one year. But look, I just want to share a few thoughts around Joseph. You know, great dads, number one, is they understand who God made them. You know, in Genesis 37, we have the account of Joseph. And, um, and, and it talks about this is the history of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. He, and so they're starting. When, they, when you write that, this is written from God's perspective. You know, Joseph was the 12th son. So why didn't Genesis 37 seven two start with the first son and then the second and that sort of thing and work its way down? Joseph w- was the um, the, the, the child born that was going to change history. Joseph was the, you know, the, the child that was marked with God that was going to do something very influential. Do you know Joseph in all of Genesis? You think about the incredible characters in the book of Genesis. Thirteen chapters are written on Joseph's life which gives us a bit of a perspective of just how important this young fellow was. And so God was looking down and going, actually, look, Joseph, you're the man. And it doesn't matter whether you're the 12th son or the 13th or 20th or whatever it is, that God looks down upon you and he says, actually, I've got a plan for you and a purpose for you. And when we understand that, you know, we understand that who God's made us to be. Gerard talked about classes that we have about helping people find their gifting. If You, you know, you, uh, that is a great course to help you know who you are and where you fit into the body of Christ and how God's gifted you and that sort of thing. But here are all these sons that Jacob had, but Joseph stood out because he was a man of God. And Joseph, you know, he has his dreams and there's an incredible sibling rivalry. Can you imagine? There's four women, four groups of kids from these women, and the sibling rivalry was unbelievable. And so, Joseph being marked as a man of God, um, the brothers didn't like him. And so, he was sold off into slavery. So taken off down to Egypt. And it's really interesting in Genesis 39. You know, can you imagine this, that you, you, you're rejected by your brothers and that sibling rivalry, that would have been fairly challenging. But you have sold and you're taken to Egypt. You're sold as a slave to someone else. See, uh, if you were a slave in a foreign land back in those days, you had no chance of coming out. And so everything was gone And yet, in Genesis 39 and verse 2, you can picture where Joseph is now in slavery. No chance of getting out. What was God's perspective of Joseph? In verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. Wow. See, that's God's perspective because what God knew is what he was going to become, not where he currently was. Here was a, a statement by um, Joyce Meyer says, be happy with where you are while you're on your way to where you want to be. So fathers today and future fathers, you know, you, you're not going to be perfect, but be happy with where you are while you perfect or you work on your fathering. And the amazing thing, Joseph uh, rose to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. And, uh, you know, we've got to understand that uh, it's important to know who God made you to be, because when you know who you're made to be, actually, you're not going to be uh, frustrated about being, not being this or that. You get some people in workplaces, they try and control other people in their jobs and all that sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, you, you, You know, when you know who you are, when you know what you're called to do, there's a lot of freedom in that. And that and as a dad understand you know that you're the man of the home you you're the you're the dad there work on your your fathering gifts and be an absolute blessing to your kids that your kids will want to follow after you that your kids will want to spend time with you you know one of the, the real privileges of being a dad that Dan was in a speech competition in London, and we got to spend I think it was like a week and a half, maybe two weeks together. We travelled up there. He did, did the, we stopped in Malaysia and saw family. We went on to London, um, had some fanta- did some fantastic events. And then, uh, then did the speech competition. Then we went to Paris for the weekend and we just hung out there back into Malaysia. It was one of the best trips of our lives. And, you know, we went to the Globe Theatre. We uh, watched the FA Cup and the Chelsea pub and that sort of thing. It was just an incredible week. And, and just spending time together... Was absolutely amazing, and we look back on that. You know, look for times, Tom talked about spending one on one time. Look for those times just to hang out with your kids, have fun, and, uh, and be, uh, you, you, you know, inspire them just, just by living your Christian life in front of them. Amen? I mean, number two, great fathers, I know there's a barbecue outside, and, and you may, when you mention food, means attention spans reduced. They're looking forward to the barbecue. So, look, we'll move on quickly. <laughs> uh, fathers, uh, understand the freedom when it comes to forgive. You know, when I, the, the best thing for me is understanding why my dad, why he was, and I made a peace with that. And maybe you're here and you know you need to make a peace with where your dad was. You know, or instead of making your peace, maybe you have a time of thanks because he really did pass on something fantastic to you. But don't let your dad hinder your future. Let your dad uh, be thankful for him and what he did give you. And if there was some challenges, you make your peace with it. You know, freedom comes when we forgive because when we don't forgive, it actually ties us up. And reduce, you know, it, it hinders us from going forward. You know, sometimes we've got to just let go and let God have His way. You know, through the uh, verses, uh, uh, chapter forty-two through to forty-five, through a whole series of events, Joseph is now number two in in Egypt, the mo- you know second most powerful man. His brothers, who he, who hated him years before come to Egypt to buy grain because there's famine in Israel. And Joseph saw them and his heart was just so full of compassion. You know, he some people would go, I'll have revenge now. But there's something about what God has done in Joseph's life through the hard times that he said, actually, I'm not going to have revenge and judgment. I'm going to offer forgiveness. And through a whole series of events, Joseph, you know, was restored back to his family. It's it's really amazing because, you know, he says to them, you know, actually, it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. And when he realized that God was working all things together for good, you know, he realized that uh, God was bigger than his brother's. You know, for my four brothers, some of them still to today have some challenges about how my dad was a father. And I'm thinking, through your life, you've you've let those events 50 years ago affect you. And you still carry it. My youngest brother never had any of those things. He's 10 years younger than me. So that makes him about, you know, 25. And so um, he never had any of those things. To him, dad was just fantastic. And he says, I don't know what they're talking about. He says, I just had a great time with my dad. And so when, when we, you know, I encourage you, you know, make your peace. And sometimes, you, you know, we've got to remember the, the words of these great philosophers Timon and Pumbaa. As they were counseling Simba there out on the desert, sometime, one of them, Timon, says, Sometimes you've got to put your behind in the past. And Pumbaa says, No, no, sit down before you hurt yourself. You've got to put your past behind you. And sometimes we've got to do that, don't we? We've got to make our peace. We've got to put the things that have happened from dads behind us. And push on. And then trusting the Lord, really. Freedom comes when we trust the Lord. You know, Joseph, 13 years of hardship. You know, crisis doesn't create character, it reveals it. And Joseph went through a whole process of challenge. And, and, and you know, he's going, you know, what about me? And it's, you know, what about me? And at the end, he was released from prison. And he says to Pharaoh, look, it's actually not about me. He says, actually, God's going to give you the answers to your dream, Pharaoh. Pharaoh had a dream. It was really concerned. And Joseph was the one. And through the whole series of events, God took him out of the prison to the palace. And um, uh, Joseph, you you know, came to a place of, of trusting the Lord. Joseph's response to his brother's was just amazing. You know, it was not you, but it was the Lord who brought me here. Why didn't the music team come? And you know, he says to his brothers, it wasn't your actions. Actually, God was working behind the scenes. You see, the things that um, I saw in my dad that I wanted to do different, I've done different. And you know, I make a point that I... Hug my kids whenever I can, because I just want them to know that home is a secure place. Home is a loving place. Home's a place where they can shout their their uh, successes and uh, and talk about their challenges. And that is, uh, Dad and Mum, we can be there just to inspire them. You know, Jacob. when Jacob dies, his brothers think that now Joseph will get them and he'll take his revenge. And Joseph says in Genesis 50 verse 20, But as for you, you meant it for evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about it in this day that many people's lives would be saved. So let me encourage you. Whether your dad, if your dad was great, that's fantastic. And you take those positives and you thank the Lord for it. But if your dad gave you a few challenges, brought a few challenges your way, let me encourage you, let God into the picture. Thank, thank the Lord for what has been. but move forward. and let it inspire you to be an incredible dad an incredible father and an incredible husband amen